Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In John 14, 1, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will Come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Untrouble Your Heart. Pray with me. God, thank you for faith. God, thank you for hope. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your word, God. I thank you for your son who paid the price so we could have a relationship with you, God. I pray now as we look to your word that you'd speak to us from your word by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Untrouble your heart. I probably could hand the microphone right now to at least 15, 20, 30 people in the room that could go ahead and make a message just out of that title that could go ahead and explain why, as Christians, we need to untrouble our heart. This passage, I say as Christians, I don't believe everybody in the room is a Christian. That's not an insult to anybody. That's just common sense. The Bible says that the road to hell is wide and the road to heaven is narrow. The Bible says that there are many going in the wrong direction and very few going in the right direction. But when Jesus is talking here in John 14, he's talking to his followers, say followers, now, you know whether or not you're one of his followers. I didn't say come to church because it's Sunday morning and that's what we do in this country. I'm talking about really following him. We, uh, I preached a series several years ago titled, um, what was it, Fan, Follower or Fan? A lot of people say they're a fan of Jesus. They like Jesus. They, they cheer for Jesus. They support Jesus. But not very many people are truly following him. See, there's a difference. There's a difference. And, and as, as I prepared for all of that teaching, I, I saw so much sports in it. And, and I hear a lot of people tell me that, that they're a fan of this team or a fan of that team. And, and if I really just have time, a lot of times I just don't engage in deeper conversation because I have somewhere to be. And that's usually good for you. If I engage in deeper conversation and you tell me you're a fan of whatever team you say you're a fan of, and I say, oh, really, who's the quarterback? I'm a, uh, um, what's that guy's name? Uh, you're not a fan. You might be a cheerleader. You might have a jersey. I mean, you, you, you might have grown up telling people you were a fan. Don't mess around and, and, and tell anybody uh, in, Elder, in Elder Jimmy's family that you're a fan of the Chicago Cubs because they might put you on some 100-year-old trivia that you're not ready for. And then you just have to admit, well, I guess I'm not a real fan fan, but uh, I, the ones I meet the most, and I don't even want to know, because, you know, I don't want to look at you sideways, um, but it's Florida State fans. I don't know why. There they go, signaling. I, hey, now y'all know if I put her on point right now, and I'm not going to put her on point, but if I put her on point and I said, 
Who is your starting left offensive tackle? She don't know. She don't know. Uh, even though you know that's the most important person with his hand on the ground on the whole team. Am I right? Am I right? Left tackle. Blindside tackle. He's the guy. Uh, but, you know, Florida State fans, I don't think I've ever met a Florida State fan that can name three players on any team they have. <laughs> All the Florida State fans, are, they're thinking right now. Um, uh, Tim Tebow? No, that's the wrong team. Um, uh, Charlie Ward? Yeah, 30 years ago. Uh, uh, what's the coach's name at, at Florida State? Uh, uh, Bobby Bowden, uh, 20 years ago. Uh, but there are too many people that, that would tell you that they're following Jesus, but if they'd just be honest with themselves, they would have to admit, well, I'm not really following him, uh, but I'm not mad at him either. Jesus is talking to his followers here in John 14, and we're going to look at that in just a moment, but I want you to think about the title of the message, Untrouble Your Heart. Now, if I had my trouble meter I can hang it on your neck and get a good reading on you. I start with Carmelita, put it on her neck as she fans her, her little cute, cute self. Uh, just, well, you know, I, I can make comment on that, but I'm not going to. Um, and, and I just, trouble, heart trouble, heart trouble. I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking about emotional, okay? Heart, where would you come up on the heart trouble? Some people are just nervous Nellies. You ever met one of those? Some of y'all married to one of those. Yeah, so some people are just worry warts. Some people are just upset and fearful all the time. Some people are laid back and chill and act like nothing bothers them. But I want to tell you something. There is something that troubles every heart that ever lived. No matter how laid back you are, no matter how go with the flow you are, uh, there are times where our heart becomes Trouble, and I believe we're living in some of the most troubled times in the history of our country. I was talking to the deacons and the elders this morning before we prayed together, and I said maybe World War One and World War Two was a more difficult time for America than than what we've got going on right now. But the war didn't really come to America. America went to those wars. Uh, we we've got this thing on us 24/7 right now. There's something big going on right now, in case you haven't heard. We're in a pandemic. Nobody in this room knew what that word was six months ago. Five years ago, nobody in this room knew what uh, xenophobia meant. And, I, and I'm, t I'm telling people all that I can, stop using words that you can't define and stop using words that the definition doesn't match the usage, because I'm not scared of xeno. Xenophobia. And then there's that other one that 10 years ago nobody had ever heard of, homophobia. I'm certainly not scared of gay people, so that word's not even proper in usage. But we're, we're, we're learning all these words. We're in the middle of something. Uh, I believe even if you've been sleeping under a rock, you've heard we're in a pandemic. You know you didn't hear that word growing up. You, if, if I would ask, you know, I'm not even going to ask you. I know some of y'all Googled the difference between an, a pandemic and an epidemic. Uh, but the, did, what? <laughs> so we, we, we're in the middle of this massive, consuming, all-encompassing discussion about this coronavirus, this COVID-19, um, and we're living in some really troubled times. Uh, we've got so much news 
being forced down our throat in this generation. I want to tell you, bad news is not a new phenomenon. Bad news has been happening for a long time. The news has always loved to. Tonight, live at 6, mother dumps child in dumpster. Details following. And they've always just came with bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. But it was different. It was different news for different sections of the country. It was different news for different uh, social identities. It was different news culturally. The information was isolated. They, they were talking to people in Connecticut about property values and stock market prices. And they were talking to people in Mississippi about civil rights. Do you understand that? There, there, it's been different in our country, the way the news has gone out, and, and, and different people think about different things. I mean, there are people in this room who know who Joey Exotic is, and there are people who don't. No? He, you live it, you got the, and the man got armor around you, he knows who Joey Exotic is, he can tell you later. So they're, they're, everybody's not catching the Joey Exotic news. Some are, some aren't. There, there are people in this room who know who Meek Mill is and some who don't know who Meek Mill is, although, although the whole world was saying free Meek Mill. He's only been arrested 19 times legally, convicted, in, incarcerated, but we had a large percentage demanding free Meek Mill. Some people know who Joey Exotic is. Some people know who Meek Mill is. Some people know who David Jeremiah is. Some people know who Lester Roloff is. Some people don't know any of these things because news comes to different people in different formats, in different ways, and some people don't listen to the news. Some people don't pay attention to the cultural trends and they don't they, they don't follow this but the news that we're getting now is being shoved down our throats so much that everybody's getting it I'm telling you there's differences there are people in this room who know who George Clinton is and there's people in this room who know who George Strait is and there's some people in the room don't know who any, anybody in the room know who George Clinton is any non-white people in the room Rick didn't know who George Clinton well, let, what, who's George Clinton P. Funk, some of you, uh, kind of a singer. <laughs> but anybody know who George Strait is? Any black people know who George Strait is? Uh, hallelujah. Okay. Uh, uh, Stacy. <laughs> You're in church. You're in church. Oh, hallelujah. Different people hear about different things. Things. Typically, most people don't hear about the same thing. I promise you, the people that live in Ponta Vidra don't know when oxtails are on sale. Am I right? And there are no yacht sales marinas on 103rd Street. Am I right? Different news comes to different people, different ways. There are people in this room right now that can tell you where to find the best deals on power tools. There are people in the room right now that can tell you what store to go shopping for your children to make $60 go the furthest. People know different stuff. People have different sets of information. People assimilate information in a different way. But everyone in this country and maybe even in the world right now, young, old, rich, poor, white, brown, black, yellow, everybody should be sick and tired of hearing about coronavirus. 
COVID-19, social distancing, testing, 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 contract, contact tracing. I want to, I wish, oh man, if I had an extra 30 hours a week, which I don't, I'd start a podcast and I'd offer up big money to anybody who could legit, that wasn't on a cruise ship, that didn't travel outside of the country and didn't have one of their Asian relatives visit them that could honestly tell me exactly where they were when they caught coronavirus. You got people saying, oh, I caught it at work. Oh, I caught it. You got one person saying they caught it at Disney World. Uh, I, I'm mad at that person. Y'all see what Disney did this, this week? They said they're shutting down for the rest of the year. Not refunding? Wow. So how about that? How about everybody who had already planned their vacations, bought airline tickets to go there, paid the hotels in advance to get good deals? Um, so that person don't know that they caught the coronavirus in Disney World. They might have been standing in Walmart belly to back. And man, I was in Walmart the other day, and I couldn't be mad at the dude behind me. He was standing. I mean, I could feel him breathing on my neck. I looked back at him, and I could see him right there. But then I thought, well, I'm crowding the person in front of me. Nobody in here is worried about that. Full Home Depot, same way, elbow to elbow, neck to neck, up in there. But this person wants to claim that they caught it in Disney World. How do you know they didn't catch it at Publix standing there in line trying to buy some groceries at Food Line at the Dollar General? You could have caught it sitting and get, getting food through a drive-thru. You could have caught it at your mailbox. But it's just news, 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 news. And we're living in a time now where they're not looking. They're not looking for, ooh, what part of the country wants to hear about this news? And put it, No, they're putting this news out to every part of the country, to everybody and it's a lot to take in, and it has done what it was designed to do. It's created fear. It's created panic. It, for whatever reason, and I just believe it was the devil didn't have nothing better to do than laugh at people and, and, and just inspired people to go out and take toilet paper. Still wasn't any toilet paper this week on the public shelves in Oakleaf. Everything else. Everything else, uh, and, and I'm gonna tell you, you can't eat toilet paper. Uh, it won't it won't burn long to keep you keep you warm at night. Um, there's just only one thing you can do with toilet paper, and you can catch that with a garden hose on the side yard. But there, it's just the panic, and 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 Jacob was showing me this thing uh, about the stages uh, that that the that people go through in situations like that. It's like I don't remember what it was, unbelief. Fear, panic, depression, anger, revolt, revolution, anarchy. Listen, that's all coming. You see these people now, they're politicking in the streets. They're taking it, they're the power to the people, taking signs out there, letting these people know we want to go back to work. I love what that governor in Georgia said because he's a, he's a Republican and he's on Trump's bandwagon. And he said, it doesn't matter to me what President Trump says. I'm the governor of the state of Georgia. He said, this ain't New York. This is not New Jersey. We're not getting sick down here. We don't have a lot of cases down here. Our hospitals aren't overcrowded. If we get a spike in coronavirus uh, people, uh, we got hospital beds for them. He said, but Georgians are hardworking, healthy people, and we're ready to go back to work. And I already told you all, if you didn't, didn't believe me the first three times I told you, I'll be sitting down in a restaurant in Georgia tomorrow eating with the good people in the state of Georgia because I can't sit down in Florida and do it. But news, 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 all of it just being shoved down our throat. I told you bad news 
isn't a new thing. You know, they, even when we only had three channels. Anybody live in Jacksonville? I live here a long time. Remember three channels? We just, and then fourth channel come in. Fourth channel come in. Y'all don't even remember what that fourth channel was. It was W-A-W-S. Channel 30 on the, on the dial-up top where you had to spin it around and just, y'all don't remember those TVs like that. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing, rabbity, or the one on the roof. You, you had to get up there and your dad would holler at you. Uh, turn it, turn it, no, back, back. Y'all don't remember that, but even when that's all there was, they were saying bad stuff on the news uh, because that is what draws people's attention. That's what creates a buzz. That's what gets you upset. And I want you to understand today, the news media wants us to be fearful. They want us to be fearful. They want us to be panicked. You got people locked down watching TV around the clock. Listen, if you ain't figured this out yet, they play all those segments for four hours and then they replay all the segments that they showed earlier in the day. Now, all us, all us guys that watch Sports Center 15 times a day, we already know that. You already know that same Sports Center you're watching at 9, they showed, showed it 5 this morning, and they're going to show it again at 1. And we know that. And I, but as some people are sitting down and watch it and watch it and watch it, I told you last week, the funniest thing I've seen on TV through all this panic is they had uh, a psychologist come on talking about the negative effects that this this. this this obsession with coronavirus has taken in our country and so much mental health issues going on right now. Suicide rate is higher. Drinking is up. Depression is up. Drugging is up. Overdosing is up. And he was saying how all of these things have their own death rate. And he, he believed that the death rate was going to outpace the virus death rate. He said poverty takes a death toll. Uh, bad nutrition takes a death toll. All these things that are going on right now as a result of this panic that America is in over this virus. And, and the, the, the TV host said, well, what, what are some things that people could do? And this was hilarious. He said, well, the number one thing people should do is turn off the TV and stop watching the news. And I'm thinking, that's hilarious to me because if, you if you're not following the story, he was on TV, on the news, talking for the news people on their TV show. Yeah, right. That'd be like me having some guest preacher come in and say, tell us what we really need to do to be the best Christians we need to be. And he's like, well, the first thing you need to do is stop reading your Bible and never go to I mean, this dude told him, stop watching it. But the world is obsessed. People are so locked in. And even if you try to stay away from it, it's being shoved down our throats 24-7. There's so many. I mean, and here's the thing. It changes constantly. It changes constantly. Some of y'all are well-versed on this deal. Some of y'all are news-obsessed. Some of y'all watch social media, and you could say, well, anybody know what the first thing they said this came from? A bat. Somebody ate a bat. They were selling bats in the wet market in China, and, and, and they ran that for a long time, and they were all freaked out about it. And, and, and now they're saying it came from where? A laboratory. Uh, that it, it, it was invented in a laboratory, and, and then they said it was being developed by the Chinese government as, as a, a terror weapon uh, to be unleashed on us. And now they're saying that it wasn't, but it's just information overload, and it's changing, and it's changing, and the whole design is to get people to live in fear. And I've told you before, and I want you to understand it well, fear is ultimately a lack of faith. When you have fear of anything, 
you are dis displaying a lack of faith in God. I told you before, I, when my children were little, uh, and, and something would happen, and they'd hear a noise, and they, they, they'd think something, Dad, Dad, I heard something. And I would tell them all the time, I said, look, as long as I'm in this house, you don't have to be scared of anything. I got more pent-up aggression than any nine home invaders going to come into this house. And I got an arsenal bigger than the, than the uh, National Guard Armory on Normandy Boulevard. I got seven weapons within arm's reach of me where my head is on my pit. Nobody coming in my house at night. You don't have to be scared if I'm home. And, and they got that figured out now. Um. Because when, 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 when noise happens and you see me running down the stairs with, with two shotguns, an AR-15, three machetes, a, a, a nine millimeter, a, and a pitchfork, you probably get well got it figured out. They're in trouble. Bear spray, mace, all that. So now they understand. Listen. Know this well. If you come to my house and ring the doorbell, your finger will get tired. We don't even flinch. Somebody banging on my door, I don't flinch. I, if they open that door, I stand up and grab something and shoot them. I don't, I don't believe you should block, have your own opinion about that. I'm trying to get to a point. Fear distributes lack of faith in the person who you say is protecting you. It's straight up legit. I mean, if I had to go somewhere, if, if I had to go into a crowd of, of, of hostels then, and, and I was by myself in a strange place, I, I, I would have my guard up. If I knew there was a bunch of people outside, one, I might go out there just for fun, just to check it out because, you know, might, might be something to look at. But if I was in a strange place in a hostile environment and I knew people were trying to, to do me harm, I would walk with, with certainty, and, and, and my spidey senses would be up. But if I'm in this parking lot right now, and they say there's five people outside looking to do me harm, I just grab up Jimmy, Steve, and Cedric and say, let's just go on and walk out there and have some fun. And it's a whole different ball game when you got confidence in, in, in the person who's there to protect you. And why in the world are God's people scared of anything if we say that our God is the highest God? They are trying everything they can now. If you watch the news, you're seeing it now. Now, now they're saying that this, this, this virus has been chemically altered to disproportionately affect black people. You heard that? So, so now you got a bunch of black people sitting around worrying. Uh, well, the, the, I, I, I had to look at that. I had to examine that. I'm like, okay, well, we're a multiracial church. I got to figure out, you know, how in the world. And, and then I found out uh, it's, it's because of high blood pressure and diabetes and sickle cell. And there's, it just that happens to be disproportionate in, in the community. So there's all this news, and it's all designed to freak people out and cause people to be scared. But I want to remind you, fear shows a lack of faith. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Believe that God is in control. Listen to what the scripture says in 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love 
and of a sound mind. I want us to look at this real quick before we get back to our text. For God has not given us. Now, a, a spirit of fear, comma, always pause on the punctuation. Take the Bible in bite-sized pieces, get it down in your spirit, digest it, chew on it for a while, think about it, meditate on it, get an understanding from it. The Bible says what all you're getting, get understanding. Listen to this phrase again. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now, I want us to pretend like we're in Wednesday night Bible study, and I want you to put your thinking hat on with me real quick, and I want, you, I want us to go ahead and let some let Bible scholars answer this question. Where it says God has not given us the spirit of fear, does that infer anything to anybody? What? It came from a loser. God didn't give it to us. If we got it, it must have what? Came from what someone else. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if somebody has a spirit of fear, they didn't get it from God, and there are two spiritual powers that be, God and the devil. It, 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 and, and that's why all these stories are made about uh, the good, the bad, good overcoming evil, the, 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 the white horse, the dark horse, the, the good side, the bad side. God didn't give us this fear. Whenever you're fearful, whenever you feel unsettled, whenever you feel like you just are worried or your heart is troubled, first thing you need to recognize is this is not from God. This is not from God. And maybe you are prone to worry. Maybe you are prone to anxiety. Maybe these things stick to you harder than you wish that they did. Maybe they don't, but maybe somebody in your family has that issue. Or maybe God will allow you to understand this information so one day you can minister to someone else who is gripped with a troubled heart, who is dealing with fear. And we need to understand, first and foremost, fear is not from God. God doesn't give us this overwhelming sense of fear. Listen to what he gives us. Listen to these three things. He gives us power and love and a sound mind. Anytime your, your power is being impacted negatively, I just feel down. I just don't feel strong in the Lord. I just don't feel resilient in my spirit. You need to understand you're under attack from the enemy. You need to understand that you, have, you are operating in less than what God has given you. If you're saved, God's given you power. God's given you love. God's given you a sound mind. Anytime where your love is not working at a high level, you need to understand you're not operating on the level God wants you to. Anytime, anytime you start feeling negative towards someone, anytime you start feeling less than loving towards someone, anytime you start feeling an unloving spirit in your heart, you need to understand this isn't God's plan for me. God wants me to have love. God wants me to have power. God wants me to have love. And God wants me to have a sound mind. I was talking to somebody. Uh, well, yesterday, Gail's mom was telling us uh, that, that their uh, good friend of ours is suffering now with dementia and having trouble remembering things and, and knowing where he is. And I'm, I'm going to believe this until I die. Uh, I don't believe that dementia is God's plan just because you get old. I mean, I mean, there's so many people out there that think, well, you know, it's just part of getting old. No, it's not part of getting old. There are plenty of old people out there sharp as a tack. There are people in this room that got grandmothers out there. Gail's grandmother died just a couple of years ago, 99 years old. She drove her car until she was 94. She could have drove it still, but they took it from her. Uh, she lived alone 
until she was 95 years old and slept upstairs every night, walked herself upstairs, kept her Bible notes, was in church every time the doors were open, had stacks of sermon notes and scriptures that she had written down, sharp as a tack. God's plan is not for your mind to slip. Don't believe that. Don't believe that. And so many people just accept it. And they, they even joke about it. There, there's a disease out there called Alzheimer's. And a lot of people have taken to calling it something different. Old timers. Listen, there is no old timer disease in God's kingdom. God wants your mind to be sound. And I'm telling you today, by the authority of the word of God, there are people in this room, there are people that people in this room know whose mind is slipping. And I want you to know this. God can restore your mind. But you cannot accept things that God does not want for you. If you're a good child, I got two good children in the room right now. My biological children are in the room right now. If someone was to offer them something that they know I have never given them, that they know that I don't approve of, that they know I would not give to them, they would have a choice to make. Do I take what my father doesn't want me to have, or do I say, no, that's not who I am? And I want you as a Christian to start filtering life that way. Will you take from the world what your heavenly father does not want you to have, or will you make a stand and say, that's not the kind of person I am. Maybe it was the kind of person you were in your past. Maybe it was the kind of person you were yesterday. But you don't have to be that kind of person today. We need to understand there's things that God has for us and there's things that God does not have for us. And this fear that is gripping America. I know people just, just, it just, they're just driving me crazy, man, with all these masks on. Now, if you need a mask, fine. Do you. But I'm just not convinced. I saw two big swole brothers in the public parking lot in Oak Leaf high-fiving. Well, they weren't high-fiving. They were talking. They were laughing. They were cutting up. They had masks on. And when they went to leave, they elbow bumped. I'm thinking, come on, man. Well, this is what we're coming to as a society now. We're not going to shake hands. We're not going to pound. We're not going to chest bump. We're going to elbow bump our way into heaven. Wearing masks. All this information is constantly changing. When, when, remember, when, when this first came out in January, Hillary was filming live from, from Chinatown in New York telling people the food's good, the people are good, come on out. The governor of New York was telling everybody, go out, the park is nice, the air is clean, live your life. This is only affecting a small amount of people. Now they got everybody locked down, freaking out, wearing gloves, wearing masks. They told people when they started wearing masks, these masks are ineffective because most people's face is not shaped properly for the mask and there's not a good seal on it and it's still viruses getting in it. And then people were making, putting cloths across their face and they were saying these cloths are, are, have too much porousness to them and your bandanas won't work. You need an N95 respirator mask. They were telling people with beards and facial hair, the mask's no good for you because it won't make a seal through your beard. Now they got the whole world being told, you better wear a mask. You better wear a mask. Get out there with your mask on. Don't leave the house. And it's just, it's all this freaking out and panicking, and I want to tell you something. I'm not saying don't wear a mask. I'm not saying don't wear gloves. I'm not saying don't social distance. What I'm telling you is don't do 
Whatever it is that you do based on fear. Do what you do based on rational thinking. Do what you do based on good information. Do what you do on sound doctrine. But don't do what you do on fear. Because it's the devil that gives people fear. And it's the devil's plan. And I believe that the media has always been. Listen, television and radio has always been the property of the devil. You don't believe me. Television and the radio have always been the property, the playground, the breeding ground of the devil. You want Bible? There's Bible on everything. I told you that. Listen to Ephesians 2, 2. In which you walked, once walked according to the course of this world, according to the, listen to who this is, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. This is talking about the devil. And God says that the devil is the prince of the power of the air. Do you know that when the devil promised to give Jesus everything on earth, if he would bow down and worship him, the devil was in his right standing to offer that because God has given the devil much control over certain things on this planet. Have you figured that out as a believer? He is the prince of the power of the what? Anybody, when, when the radio uh, come, comes into your car, anybody see the, the, the radio transmission cut floating, uh, or is it just somewhere in the air? TV. Some of y'all got satellites, some of y'all got cable, some of y'all got free TV, no matter how it comes into your deal. Uh, do you see it zooming through your living room and hitting the back of your TV? And sh no, it's just in the what? It's in the air. Your, your, your cell phone, your technology that you can't come attached from. They're, they're, hey, y'all parents, y'all really want to get your kids' attention? Take that cell phone from them for three seconds. <laughs> Some parents are like, oh, I don't want that fight. That, that, those, those pictures, those oh, oh, it's streaming, Pastor. Don't you understand? It's technology, old man. It's streaming. You can get TV streaming. You can get Internet streaming. You can get streaming on your mobile device. Yeah, guess where it's streaming? In the air. You don't see it. You don't see it. It's coming through the air. Television, radio, Internet, all these are breeding grounds and playgrounds for the devil to do his work. Listen to that same verse, Ephesians 2, 2, in a more modern translation. Because this applies to us, because we were these people who used to live in sin. Anybody used to live in sin? Only two choices. You used to live in sin or you still live in sin. Because nobody in this room is Jesus. And everybody other than Jesus used to live in sin or still living in sin. He said, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. And then, it, and, then it, and then it gives this hyphen to let you know, uh, descriptive of who the devil is. The commander of the powers in the unseen world. The commander of the powers in the unseen world. I want you to know that there is stuff going on in the unseen world that, listen, it's unseen, so we can't what? We can't see it. And I'm glad we can't see it. Because at 56, about to be 57 years old... In my own home, sitting on my lazy boy recliner, when I hear that movie, come, when I hear that music come on for that commercial, for that trailer, I do just like this. My children can testify they grew up their whole lives. They try to peek on me now because they think they're grown. We go to a movie, they show that evil horror trailer, and we all do like this. <laughs> 
I do like this. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it because I know that they are. Listen, you want to know why M. Night Shyamalan and what's that? What's the uh, what's that uh, producer's name that made all the movies? Stephen Steven Spielberg, Stephen King, all these guys. You want to know why they make all these incredible, wild, crazy movies? They've seen stuff that I don't want to see. I don't, but I know because I've read the book and I've, I've heard what God said. There is stuff going on in the atmosphere around us and above us that is happening all the time. Every now and then you get that little woo, woo, woo. You, you wonder why? There's stuff going on. Uh, I told you the good news is that if you're following God, if you're walking in the, in the kingdom, if you're doing what God called you to do, he's got you surrounded with his people. I told you about the story of Elisha and his servant. The government was hunting them down, coming to kill them. They, they, were, they were coming by the thousands to kill one man. The, the servant felt new heat. Well, I'm here with you. They're going to kill me too. And the servant wakes up in the morning. And he looks out there in a valley. And all around the tops of the hills, they are surrounded by thousands of people coming to kill them. He freaks out. He wakes up the man of God. And the man of God says, we're all right. He's like, what do you mean all right? Don't you see all these people that are here to kill us? And the man of God says, it's not a problem. There's more with us than there are against us. And the servant said, is you high? You ain't on that stuff, is you? No, he didn't say that. Uh, but he said, what do you mean? There is you and me and this donkey. And not donkey from Shrek that could do, I mean me, you, and this donkey. And it's all them people up there. And then God had Elisha to do something that I don't ever want done for me. Okay? But here's what he did. The Bible says that Elisha prayed for his servant that his eyes would be open into the spirit world and he would be able to see what is happening. And he saw 10 Thousands of thousands of warring angels hovering over those men that came to do them harm. And then he knew that God's man has spoken the truth. That it is right that there are more here for us than there are against us. But I just want to tell you, I still don't want to see it. Y'all want to see it? Go see it. Go see it. Go hunt it. Go check it out. I'm just content to know it's a nasty battle going. There's a there's a going on all the time. And, and but there there are good and bad forces going on all the time, and I'm glad to know that I'm on the good side. I don't want to watch this display of I, I just am glad to know that even though this devil is the commander of the powers of the unseen world, God's got unseen spirits out there too. But there's this battle going on. There's this battle going on. The Bible talks about spiritual warfare and, and our need to be covered with the armor of God. The, the devil, listen, the devil is at work in the unseen world. Do you see that in the scripture? He's at work. He's the spirit at work. And he's 
the commander of the unseen world, the powers of the unseen world. Some of y'all need to understand, it's not your husband or your wife you should be mad at. Bishop's wife used to say it all the time, ain't nobody to be mad at but the devil. Some of y'all think it's your husband driving you crazy. Some of y'all think it's your mother, father driving you crazy. Some of y'all think it's your coworker, your un- your employees or your employer driving you crazy. The reality is there are spirits at work that are trying to do you harm. And this is why you better get in tight with God. Because there's spirits around you that are doing you good. Ministering angels that God has sent on your behalf. Guardian angels that God has sent on your behalf. But there's this unseen world, and I believe this coronavirus is a part of it. Uh, Constantly, constantly, lies coming out of the media. I saw yesterday, 101-year-old man dies from coronavirus. Now listen, if I live to be 101 years old, and I die... And someone asks you, well, what did pastor die of? Look at them like they're retarded. Ain't that right? Ain't that right? Old, he died because he was old. 101-year-old man dies from coronavirus. Really? He didn't have nothing else wrong with him? He was just all together? They, they, I already told you all about that baby they had, 19, headline, 19-month-old baby, first infant in America to die from coronavirus. Then, then, then the rest of the story came out. The caretaker rolled over on the bed. You don't sleep with a baby in a bed next to you. They make cribs for a reason. Caretaker rolled over, woke up on top of the baby. Baby suffocated to death. They are now readjusting these inflated numbers of how many people have died from coronavirus because they're, they're realizing a lot of this stuff's been overreported. Gunshot wound. Guy had nine bullets in him. Died from coronavirus. I think that nine might have had something to do with that. It's on the, right, and, and that's what it is. They're, they're just stirring the pot. They're, 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 they're trying to make money. They're trying to get ratings. They're, they're trying to chase all this stuff. Listen, it, this news, this airwaves that are coming at you, I want you to know if you listen to it more than you listen to God, you're going to have a troubled heart. You're going to have a troubled heart. And they're going to tell you different stuff Every day. One day it's going to be this. One day it's going to be that. That's not new, though. I've been dealing with this watching the medical community. My mom was a nurse my whole life growing up uh, until she retired just a few years ago. Um, And she watched it, and I had to listen to her talk about the constantly evolving. If you're in the medical industry, you know there's continuing education. They used to say, this is what we need to do. Now they say, that's what we need to do. Doctors used to tell us that milk was the perfect food, and everybody ought to drink milk. And now they're saying, well, no, don't drink milk because, you know, it's got too much fat in it. And then they said, eggs are the perfect food uh, made by nature. Go ahead and eat eggs. And then they say, no, oh, don't eat eggs because, you know, they're bad for you. They, they, they give you cholesterol, and you don't want to eat eggs. And, and then they said, you need to drink coffee. Coffee is good for you to keep you regular. And then they said, oh, no, don't drink coffee. You've got too much caffeine in it. It explodes your heart. Listen, let me help out all the alcoholics in the room. They used to say, don't drink alcohol. It'll blow up your liver, and they give you all types of – and now they're saying you need to drink a couple shots of liquor every day because it's good for you. Where are we going with all this stuff? Information overload. Listen, I told my mom one time when she was complaining about this continuing education, how everything in the medical field is always changing. I said, Mom, you got all those new books to read. I only got one book to read for my profession. And I thank God that the only, the only book I'm ever, they're not coming out with a 2.0 on the Bible. 
no matter how much the world tries to change. And I have people tell me all the time, Pastor, you're just old school. Pastor, you're a dinosaur. Pastor, you need to get up. Times have changed. And if you're one of those times have changed people, let me tell you what I've been telling people for years. Yes, times have changed, but not only has God not changed, God ain't going to change. Times can change, but God will never change, and God's word will never change. Listen, God's word's going to be God's word when they quit saying pandemic on TV every day. They just need to take that word out of the language. I don't like that word. Uh, I don't like words that I didn't, I didn't learn too late in life. I don't like oncology. I don't like pandemic. I don't like social distancing. You know I don't like xenophobia. Stop making up words to try to make people feel bad. God is still going to be God once they open up restaurants back in Florida. God's still going to be God once we get past this. Listen, we ain't even got to the number yet. Do you know on average for the last 10 years, 61,000 people have died in America from the flu? It's a fact. Look it up. We ain't even got to that number yet on coronavirus. Uh, and, and they've inflated that. Everyone who's died from the flu this year, they've called it coronavirus. And that's not factual. That's not factual, um, but you haven't heard anyone ever. Last year, thousands and tens of thousands of people died from the flu. You, you, but you could cough in a grocery store without someone turning around looking at you like they wanted to kill you. Go ahead and mess around and have a sneeze standing in line at Home Depot right now and see what they look at you like. No, nobody, nobody was wearing a mask because, oh, I've got a flu and I don't want to give it to anybody. No, they walked right up into church coughing and snotting, sending the children to church, snotting and hacking all over everything. They never closed the schools. 61,000 people on average die every year for the last 10 years in America. They didn't shut schools down over it. I'm telling you, this panic, I'm not saying that there's not reason to be cautious, but I'm saying that this panic is overblown and it's designed by the devil to scare you. And listen, if you're not a scary person, if you don't get scared from it, he at least wants your heart to be troubled. Let's look at the text real quick and get out of here. In John 14, 1, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Stop on the punctuation. Let not your heart be troubled. Uh, you, you already ought to know it. You already ought to know what I'm going to say, and you already ought to know what the answer is. If you've been coming to this Bible teaching church for any length of time, you've learned some things already about how to read the Bible with discernment. You've learned how to read the Bible with understanding. So let me give you the question that you already know is coming. Why would Jesus tell his followers to not let their heart be troubled? Because the heart gets troubled. You are not alone, and you are not wrong, and you are not bad, and you are not weak, and you are not deficient when your heart is troubled. But there is a remedy, and you need to understand God didn't give you that spirit of fear, and Jesus doesn't want your heart to be troubled. First thing you need to know this morning is your heart can get troubled. No matter how chill, laid back, to roll with the punches you are, your heart can get troubled, and you need to war against that. You need to stand your ground against that. Jesus has commanded us not to let our heart get troubled. Now, see, this, you, you, won't, you won't even hear this verse much on, on, on uh, what they call it Christian television. I don't believe it's Christian television. I believe it's con television. I believe it's filled up with con artists begging for money. And if you watch one of these preachers on TV that spends 29 minutes of his 30-minute TV show begging for money so he can stay on the air to keep begging for money, you need to put your money somewhere else. Uh, but they, you won't hear them say, say verses like what Jesus said because they're too busy saying, come to God and all your troubles will go away. 
That's not found in Scripture. That's not found in Scripture. There are ways to deal with reality without buying into this false theology of American prosperity at this point. Jesus said, your heart's going to, there's going to be troubling things, but don't let your heart be, say be, be troubled. This verb be is where your understanding needs to be enlightened. Well, Jesus didn't say your heart won't get troubled. He didn't say don't let your heart get troubled. there's always going to be trouble. The Bible tells us as long as we live in this earth, we're going to have trouble. We're going to have issues. We're going to have problems. When he said, don't let your heart be troubled, that is an active tense verb. That's something that is ongoing. You shouldn't be ongoingly troubled in your heart. You shouldn't be continuously troubled in your heart. And then he gives the remedy. He said, you believe in God, comma, that's a given. Say given. Everybody believes in God. I don't care if they say they do or if they don't. Atheists probably believe in God more more than uh, most people that say they believe in God. Atheists say they don't believe in God. If they didn't believe in God, they wouldn't spend so much time arguing about God. They believe in, most atheists believe in God. They're just so upset with Him, they don't want to act like they believe in Him. Uh, I've never met anybody that wanted to spend an hour of my time arguing with me about whether or not the Easter Bunny exists. They're not mad. If I tell them I believe in Santa Claus, they're not mad. They don't want to argue with me about Santa. They want to argue against the existence of God because it, it, it upsets them. It stirs them, and they stay upset. It's a given that people believe in God. You call, people call God different things. People have different gods, but in some kind of way, everybody knows there's a higher power out there. Jesus said you believe in God, and then he takes it to another level. He said believe also in me. You want the remedy for troubled heart? You want the remedy so you don't die and go to hell? You want the remedy to have peace with God? You want the remedy to go from being what you were to what God wants you to be? The remedy is the same. It's the same. It's the same for all these situations. Believe in Jesus. Everybody believes in God. You can stand up and talk about God. When, 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 I, when I go and I talk to schools, when I go and I talk to different groups, I've had people tell me, don't, don't, don't pray in Jesus' name. It's okay to talk about God because God can be generic, but Jesus is specific. And I want to tell you something in case you didn't already know it. The only way there is to get to the real God is through Jesus. Jesus said he's the only way to the Father. And, and, and there's no other way but by him. Jesus is saying, listen, you believe in God, but you're still fearful because God can get generic for you. God can get ideology for you. God can get pie in the sky for you. He said, believe also in me. That narrows it down to someone who you see. That narrows it down to this person of Jesus Christ. And I wonder this morning, do you really believe in Jesus? I'm not saying do you believe he existed. His, 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 his existence is without without compare. He had more books written about him than anyone else. Obviously, he was a real human being. Everybody would agree with that, but everybody wouldn't agree that he was the son of God. Everybody wouldn't agree that he was born of a virgin. Everybody wouldn't agree that he lived a sinless life. Everybody wouldn't agree that he rose from the dead by his own power. Do you believe in Jesus, the Jesus he claims to be? If you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then you can remedy a troubled heart. 
he goes on to give them good news, and he tells them this because if you study contextually, you understand the context. Jesus is about to be crucified. Jesus is about to leave his followers. Jesus is about to be gone from them in his physical body. But he's telling them, don't be upset. Don't be troubled. I know you believe in God. Believe in me. Jesus is the remedy. In verse 2, he says, in my Father's house are many mansions. Semicolon. Pause on the punctuation. In my Father's house are many mansions. Now, there's been a lot of bad theology developed from this one phrase. A lot of bad theology. A lot of people out there, and there are probably people in this room, you think you got a mansion waiting on you in heaven. Woo, I got a, I got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. We used to sing in vacation Bible school. But Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. The Greek word there for mansions is dwelling places. I want you to understand, you, no matter how saved you are, do not own a mansion in heaven. In God's house, there are many dwelling places. This is the more literal translation. Listen, you got a room in God's house. You got your own little barracks in God's house. You got your own little setup. But, and, and some people are like, no, I want me a mansion in heaven on Glory Boulevard on the corner of glory and hallelujah. I want my mansion. Uh, no, you got bad theology and, and a greedy heart. Here's what you should want. You should rather want to live under God's roof in, in, in a small bedroom in God's house than in a mansion six streets over. There's no promise of you living in your own mansion in heaven. Jesus is saying, in my Father's house, there are many dwelling, there's many rooms in my Father's house. And he says, if it weren't so, I would have told you. I'm not lying to you. This is how it really is. My Father has a big house, and there's lots of rooms in it for you. And listen to the promise that Jesus gave to them then and us now. I go to prepare a place for you. He knew they were nervous about his departure. And there are people that are nervous right now because they don't see God. Where is God? Where is God in the middle of all this suffering? Where is God in the middle of all this panic? Listen, God is at work. God is doing his thing. Jesus said, yeah, I'm going, but I'm not just going to be away from you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, I want you to know, not only do you have a place in heaven, but that place has been prepared specifically for you. If you think about how bad trouble is right now, if you worry about how you're going to pay the light bill, if you worry about how you're going to keep the mortgage paid, if you worry about how, how you're going to get your children to pass the third grade, if you, worry, if you worry about whatever it is you're worrying about, you ought to just step back and breathe for a minute and say, I'm thinking about all this stuff that's just passing through. I got a home up in heaven. Jesus is up there making me, a, preparing me a home. He's got a place for me with my name on it. If you study the scripture deep enough, you're going to find out that every single child of God is going to be given an individual pet name by the Lord. He's got a new name for you. He's got a new name that he calls you that he's going to give you. He's got a place for you up in heaven. Verse 3, he said, and if I go, he's, what he's saying literally is if you believe what I'm telling you, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. He said, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Look at the phrase. He said, 
I will come again and receive you to myself. The great hope of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is, yes, he's gone right now, but he's coming back. I want you to understand and believe, study the scripture and find out the truth that Jesus lived on this earth. He died. He rose. He went to heaven. But listen, he's coming back. He's coming back. What's he doing up in heaven? Preparing a place for me. Now, I don't really believe the cliche. It's cute to say. But the cliche that they write songs about and, and, and poetry about is that the same God that took only six days to create a heaven, the earth, and all that there is have been working on my mansion for 2,000 years. Uh, I don't think it takes him 2,000 years to do anything. But I do know this. He's promised that he has a place for us. He has a place for what difference does it make if the mortgage gets paid if he has a place for you? What difference does it make if you win, lose, or draw in this life if he has a place for you? Because here is the best news that I can give you. Not only did he go, not only does he have a big house with lots of rooms in it and a place that he's prepared for his followers, here, here, here's the great news. He says, so that where I am, there you may be also. Where I am, there you may be. I understand what some of y'all mean, especially the older people. I understand when, when someone says, you know, well, daddy was just ready to go to heaven to be with mama. I understand when people say that, what they're trying to say. Uh, and, and listen, 14 years ago, the most important person in my world died and went to heaven. And, and I've had people say, I, I, I know that you, you're going to be happy again, Pastor Scott, when you get to be reunited with, with your Gail. I want to tell you something. I'm glad Gail's in heaven. She ain't in heaven because she married a preacher. She's in heaven because she had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm glad that she's in heaven. But I want to tell you something. There's not one ounce of desire in me that wants to go to heaven to see a gorgeous five-foot-tall, 125-pound, brown-haired woman with blue eyes. I, when I go to heaven, I'm looking for one person. I'm looking for Jesus. I'm glad that grandmama's in heaven. I'm glad that Gail is in heaven. But why do I want to go to heaven? Not to see grandmama in them. I want to go to heaven to see Jesus. Because he's the one that died for me. He's the one that left for me. He's the one that's coming back for me. He's the one that prepared a place for me. He's the one that advocates to his father to forgive me of my sins. And I want to be where he is. Everything else is passing through. Everything else is passing through. Oh, that heartbreak you felt. Listen, some of y'all girls in here, all y'all older than 14, was 14 at one time. Some of y'all girls that had your little heart broken 14. Oh, he, he don't love me. He don't love me. He never did. He don't love me no more. He never did. He don't love me. He don't love, ah, ah, you can't breathe. Oh, God, oh, what am I going to do? Oh, oh, what am I going to do? Realize at 15, there's a new dude that don't love you either, and you're going to be going through the same thing. It's all transitional. It's all passing through. He left me. She left me. They hurt me. He stabbed me in the back. They did me wrong. They fired me without a cause. They, took, they stole from Listen, all that is just passing through. All of that is transitional. All of that is changing. All of that is just temporary. But God has a permanent place in heaven. God has prepared a place for his children. And I want you to know he's coming back. 
He's coming back. Oh, they talk about Easter. They talk about Good Friday. They want to they talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And all that is great. And all that is wonderful. But I want Christians to live with an awareness that He is coming back. Might be today, might be tomorrow. I've had people ask me, Pastor, you really believe that Jesus could come back any day now? I said it for years. I believed it then. I still believe it now. You ask me if I believe Jesus could come back any day now? I'm shocked that he hadn't already come back. We are living in the last of the last days. Jesus is on his way back. And you better get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Because when he comes back, you better be ready for him to take you to where he is. Some of y'all playing with eternity. Some of y'all talking about you're going to get saved one day. Some of y'all playing with God. You better get your heart right with God. You better believe this believable book this perfect book you better believe the words of the God who cannot lie Jesus is coming back and and the Bible says that the beginning of the end is hearing about wars rumors of wars earthquakes plagues pestilence famine listen we got all that times a thousand says this is the beginning of the end I want you to know church we are at the end of this life cycle we are at the end of time we are at this time where Jesus is going to come back you say well pastor they've been saying that forever yeah but it couldn't have happened until now because the Bible prophesies that at the very end of time, that right after Jesus comes back, a couple of years later, there are going to be some dead people laying in the streets of Jerusalem, two witnesses, and the Bible says, and all the world will see them. There never was the capacity for all the world to see two dead bodies laying in a country on the other side of the world. But now CNN will bring it to you moment by moment. Fox News will have it to you. The whole world, we're the first generation of people that have every prophecy lined up for us for the return of Jesus Christ. And I want you to hear me in closing. Jesus is real. You better believe in God. Believe in His Son that He sent to save you because He is coming back for His followers. He is coming back for His children. He's going to take us off this sin-cursed fear-filled world and put us in a place where there's no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more pain, no more difficulty. He's coming back. He's coming back. He promised that he's coming back. He's promised that we're going to be where he is. And I want to ask you this in closing. Because I told you Jesus was talking to his followers. Are you following him? Are you following him? Are you following him? Is there a place for you in heaven? Is he your God. If he isn't, you need to ask him to save you. The Bible says if you'll call on the Lord, he'll save you. Some of you have tried that. Some of y'all, uh, listen, I promise you, if I gave, if I gave an emotion-filled invitation right now, we'd have some people come. How many of y'all know uh, some of the same people would come this week that came last month and last year? Because their heart is to God. They just want to make sure. They, they, just, they just want to really, they, they love God and they don't want to slip. Listen, I want to tell you something. If you get saved for real one time, the Bible says what God does, he does forever. The Bible says salvation is eternal. You don't have to walk out and walk out and walk out and walk out. But listen, you do have to walk. You do have to pray. You do have to get saved until it becomes real to you. And if it's not real to you right now, if you're not sure, if you have any doubts at all, you don't have to walk this aisle, pray a prayer. You don't have to stand up and sign a card. The Bible says, if you will just call on him with your whole heart. The Bible says, when you seek him with your whole heart, you'll find him. 
If you're here and you're not saved today, I want you just where you are. As God leads you, just ask Him to save you for real. Ask Him to let you be a real Christian. I want you to be in this place. I want you to be in this place that He's prepared for us. When He comes back, I want, I want Him to take you with Him. Man, one of the songs that meant most to me in life, and, and I know we don't sing those. Uh, listen, people, don't, don't ever think that the songs that they're singing, uh, and I did give them some suggestions lately, but don't ever think the songs that they're singing are handpicked by me. Um, because I don't listen to any music that most people have ever heard of. I listen to old Christian music. I listen to hymns and stuff from people that have been dead uh, that, that minister to me. But one of the songs that has just stirred me so much is, is, is a simple song uh, that a lot of people don't even know the Christianity behind it, When the Saints Go Marching In. And old church used to say, When the Saints Go Marching In, oh, I want to be in that number. Are you in the number? Are you in that number? There's a number of people that Jesus is talking to. There's a number of people that he's prepared a place for. There are many dwelling places. There's a certain amount of rooms in God's house, and you can have one of them. But you have to be in that number of people who are saved and following Jesus for you to get into heaven. And I want you to get saved today. If you're not saved, if you're here and you are saved, I want you to realize you don't have to be worried about anything. Because all of this life is temporary. All this life is passing through. I'd love it if God would heal my back. I've had uh, two back operations. Well, I've had a back operation. They want to give me a second back operation. I, I wish God would heal my neck. I've had a neck operation. They did the largest neck operation. They only fused four discs at one time. You can only have a four-level fusion. I've got a, a titanium plate in my neck and eight screws in it, and my neck still hurts, and my back still hurts. I wish God would heal me. I still get sad over things. I still deal with emotions that I wish were healed. I wish God would just heal me emotionally and physically of everything wrong with me. But I want to tell you something. I'm all right with it if it never happens. If, if I live every day for the rest of my life hurting my back, down in my neck, if I live every day with my heart not settled, if I may live every day still, still upset about certain things, I, I, I can take that as long as I get into heaven because when we get into heaven that's going to be what's real this is just temp temporary this is just passing through I want you to get your eyes on the big picture young people hear me well you think that that's just way far away you could step out into eternity today and you need to make sure you're ready everybody needs to know the real believer has nothing to fear the scripture tells us greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world God is bigger than whatever your trouble is. God is bigger than whatever your pain is. God is bigger than whatever your fear is. And I want you to put your trust in him. The title of the sermon, Untrouble Your Heart. You, you, you might think, well, I didn't come in here with troubles today. Look deep. Look deep. Look deep into your heart and think of those things that are burdening you. Look deep into your heart and think of those things that have kept you down for so long. Look deep into your heart and let God give you a realization. Why am I worrying about these things? One day I'm going to be in heaven and it ain't even going to matter. Seth, Seth predicted it the other night when, when we sat down to watch the NFL draft. He said, you know, Dad, it's going to be the biggest draft it ever was. I said, you think more people are going to watch this draft in, Ro in Roger Goodell's basement than watch it live on New York? He said, yeah, because there's no more sports going on. I said, well, you're probably right about that. And it was the largest draft ever watched in the history of the NFL. 
uh, because people people so want to know who who's my team going to take? My team going to get a quarterback? My team going to get a, a defensive end? We need an edge rusher. Listen, none of that's going to matter in heaven. Worrying that your team didn't get the right draft pick, wor- wor- worrying that your job got canceled, you've been furloughed. That's another one of those words people don't use. They say on TV all the time now. People got furloughed, uh, worrying about all this money. And, and, and listen, you can't take it with you. You can leave it to AbundantLifeChristianFellowship.org. <laughs> listen. The older I get, I'm becoming one of the few churches. We're one of the few churches. I know so many pastors who, who uh, they, they, people died and left, left hundreds of thousands of dollars to them. I'm thinking, any of y'all got that? I pray y'all on into heaven right now. You ain't got to wait. Just, just sign it over proper. We worry about the wrong stuff, church. We worry about the wrong stuff. Let's, let's stop majoring on the minors. They feel big to us now. But listen, remember, when you were 14 years old and, and Ray Ray, you caught him with another girl, you thought that was the worst thing that ever happened to you in life. Talk, talk to a woman in her 40s or 50s and above. She'll let you know that wasn't nothing. I didn't like him that much. I thought I did anyhow. <laughs> Everything seems big when you're in the middle of it. But if you're a believer, I want you to get your eyes on the real big thing. The big thing is Jesus we got to stop majoring on the minors. All the world wants to talk about is coronavirus. What the world ought to be talking about is Jesus. All the world wants to talk about money, stock market. Listen, I am not looking forward to this presidential election. I I do not like these times. Uh, The last one was so nasty. This one is going to be ridiculous. Uh, All the things that people want you to focus on are not the big thing. Last thing I'm going to tell you, I want you to hear me good. Jesus is the big thing. Jesus is the big thing. You want to find people who aren't troubled? You want to find somebody who really has untroubled their heart? Find somebody who's totally in love with Jesus. Stuff don't bother them like it used to. Stuff rolls off them easier than it does other people. They don't live gripped by fear because they have an overriding peace that says, my God is enough. And he is. Pray with me. God, thank you for being enough. Thank you for allowing us to untrouble our hearts. Help us, God, to believe in you and in your Son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray for every person in this room today. If they're unsaved, God, I pray that you would draw them by your Spirit. Give them real salvation. God, for every believer in the room today, I pray that you would let us put our focus on you. Let our minds be stayed on you. Give us a hunger, God, and a thirst for you more than for things other than you. You are the only one that is truly worthy, God, and I ask you to fill us with your spirit and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.